Hello and welcome to Ingray Company, where we bring you leading business minds to share their experience, expertise, practical tools, and innovative ideas to help you thrive in business. I am your host, Ramona Cedeno, CPA, CFP, and founder of Fibric, an accounting and fractional CFO firm that brings customized solutions to businesses in technology and professional services. I'm super excited to be joined today by Tope Mitchell. She's an amazing human being, an amazing entrepreneur, and I can't wait to have her share with you all the great advice and feedback and her journey as an entrepreneur. And Tope holds a PhD. Oh my gosh, a PhD. That is like a dream of mine. Um, a master's and bachelor's in sociology with an emphasis in psychology. She's the founder and the, the co-founder and the CEO of Reflect Me. And Reflect Me is such a, uh, an inspiring platform. And I want Tope to tell you everything about it and to share with us this amazing journey of entrepreneurship. Welcome so much, Tope, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Ramona. This I'm so excited to be here today, and um, you know, listening to these sort of podcasts and um, reading books about entrepreneurship has always been really helpful for me today, and was very helpful as I was jumping into entrepreneurship. Um, and so, I'm always happy to share my story to the discourse, um, and hopefully, it will be helpful for a lot of people. No, I'm sure it will be. I have talked to you a few times and every time I talk to you, I learn something new and you have such an inspiring story and a way about you. I just, uh, I appreciate so much how you connect people and how generous you are with your time and, and advice. And I think that is something that uh, we all as entrepreneurs and business owners value a lot when we find it. And that's why I wanted to have you here and share a little bit of you with our viewers and listeners. Um, please tell us a little bit about Reflect Me. I, I love the name and I love the platform. I, I go to your website all the time, but I want I really want to know what Reflect Me is about. Well, thank you. And thank you again for your kind words. That means so much to me. Uh, well, Reflect Me, it's even the name, right? Reflect Me. It's a call to action for e-commerce. So when my daughter was even younger, she's turning six now and she was about... Um, four, uh, almost four. She was very young and I witnessed in her this very pure love for herself and for her reflection. Um, and that was something that as a mother, like my, my heart kind of caught, you know, in my throat that I have to be able to preserve this in her because I knew as a sociologist and consumer insights expert that the current digital world is built to break that down in us and tell her that she should be a certain weight, a certain height, a certain skin tone, have a certain texture of hair. 
But if I could democratize digital experiences and make them more inclusive, then I could not only maintain her self-love, but also work towards building more empathy with society as a whole. Because when we're not exposed to all these different types of being and we don't normalize all of our different shapes and sizes and colors and abilities and age, then we start to dehumanize everyone who doesn't fit into that one image of beauty, because it's not only beauty in the sense that we think of maybe in a shallow way, you know, but humanity, right? I mean, even those terms of like, black is beautiful, right? For only for like one group. But, you know, when we think about that term, and that being a defiant call, right? It was also this call to, ain't I a woman to, you know, I'm a human being. And so that's really, you know, the the heart and soul of Reflect Me and a guiding mission for us as a company is to maintain, you know, build up um, the self-love in ourselves, maintain it for future generations and make a more equitable, inclusive society as a whole. So if I reach that goal, I'll be I'll be happy. <laughs> no, that is so amazing. And, and I love to hear the story behind the company. And um, in today's topic, as we discuss how businesses can adapt to changes in culture and consumer demand, have, mm-hmm. have you experienced uh, in Re- Reflect Me that you have to keep up with these changes or was that the basis of everything that you started doing from the get-go? I love this question because as we were growing the company, you know, when when you're an entrepreneur and especially in technology, there's different components of customer discovery. And especially when you're like, reflect me exactly to your point, we're a B2B, we're we're enterprise, but we're also a B2B to C, right? And that consumers and users are also getting this benefit and experiencing our product. We're not something that happens in the background. So that being said, When we first brought this up to discuss, you know, creating this interactive experience online, when we created our demo and went to a pitch competition where we had to pitch to about a thousand people on the floor as they passed by and then they would vote, you know, for our company or not, we received audible gasps from women who were saying, I've never, you know, because we created this the storefront and they would shop at it for their size and they could see a picture of someone in their size of T-shirt um, buying the clothes. And funny enough, our first case study was a T-shirt company. Um, but they were going, I've never been able to shop and actually see someone in my size. It's either like the, the model who's a size two or their plus size. But, you know, you're looking at um, the average size woman, right? We've got like... Um, 65% of women are size 14 and up. And then you have the women who are the in-betweeners in between, you know, the model size and plus size, and they're just never seen. And even when we do show plus size women, sometimes they're actually um, models who are maybe a size four wearing like padding, or they're only showing plus size women who have very small waists or very small faces. And, you know, while, especially within our company, we say this is beautiful, of course, this is beautiful too. What we were finding is that consumers really were at a point where they wanted to see themselves. They no longer wanted gatekeepers to say, well, don't you want to buy this shirt because you want to look like this, this other person one day? Now we have 
you know, changing customer demand in hashtags. You know, representation matters. You know, we don't care about your beauty standards. All these hashtags from people on social media saying, I'm over it. I'm done with that. So that's one level. And we won that pitch competition, by the way, it was 30K. So we received that feedback customer wise that they were wanting a more bespoke, more personalized experience for them. And they no longer wanted to have the gatekeeper images. In terms of interacting with the software, what we created is this experience that is similar to going onto social media because we found that millions of people were searching online to try to find someone doing a haul, you know, to look at an influencer or even just a person who wasn't an influencer, but just was their size wearing the clothes. So we were finding all this behavior that people were jumping off of their e-commerce site, you know, leaving that path to purchase to go find more information. So then moving to the enterprise side, it's like, hey, people are dropping off. (laughs) You know, they're leaving your site to go find information. Let's put all of that information on your website, even showing our enterprise clients that I can find more styling tips that are relevant to me all the way on YouTube than on your site while I'm shopping. And that's a huge, huge disconnect, right? This, this experience of like interaction and social media is so important. And then lastly, just society moving forward in terms of how we interact with, you know, with the online experience. So we all know that web 1.0 was just reading, you know, reading websites and and just, you know, consuming information. Web 2.0, and I'm sure a lot of people agree we're going into this 2.5, 3.0 stage as well. Web 2.0 is interaction that I don't want to just go there and consume your e-commerce site. You need to give me something. We need to have a connection. I need to feel a sense of loyalty because you took the time to create this interactive experience for me. And we found that, you know, listening to that customer feedback, we have a new version of our software based more on um, the mixture of our client feedback and our, and, you know, actual like customers and users. And it's, we, we increased engagement 133%. People are looking at the site longer. They were, you know, purchasing more you know, we all have family members, and especially now during the holidays, you want to buy something for someone. Now you can actually see a person in their size wearing the clothes and go, oh, okay, I can buy that. You know, I can buy that for my brother or my sister or my auntie because I have all the information that I need to make that purchase because everything is shifting to purchasing online. And even with ourselves, we see 25% of women, their, their size label change during the pandemic. I don't know if you're one of them. Um, I don't want to be. Yeah, where it went up or down, you know, and for some people it went down, for some people it went up. I blame my baby, you know, I had a baby, but also, you know, comfort food uh, during the pandemic. But, you know, everyone's body changed. And so we, again, need to react to that societal shift that, oh no, I can't try on clothes because the the changing room is locked down or, you know, because I don't feel safe going in the store. I need this new information for the new way that I am shopping. And, um, and I think that we, we have to meet that call or, or e-commerce will be left behind. I totally agree. And from 
a personal experience when I go to a website and it looks like in general, it doesn't, it's not catering to me. I probably mm-hmm. won't go mm-hmm. uh, to that website in the future. Right. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to clothing now that um, we, you know, we want to look amazing as always before post COVID and, and without having to go to the store and without having to return five items every month, we want to make sure that what we're getting is going to fit us well. And, and I Mm -hmm. think that having, being able to see the images on, uh, or the the dresses or this, you know, this, this, whatever it is. And like you said, people that have similar uh, body shapes, uh, heights the tools is is so critical, and yes. uh, totally. I I'm, I think what you're doing is so incredible, and uh, everyone should be using your technology and and your platform. Thank you. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree. I think, you know, you get that dopamine, I feel like when you're shopping online and you're like, ooh, I'm going to look so good when, you know, when that comes for this, like, you know, for whatever, for your trip or just, you know, a refresh. And then you get that product home. And to your point, when it doesn't fit well, that is you know, it, it, it has like an emotional toll on you, like you said, and, and you may say, I'm not going to wear that brand anymore, when literally you may have just like bought the wrong size, but you know, but you just, you, you're like, I'm not going to go through this again, or I don't know, or sometimes it's the silhouette, right? I mean, we talk about just size, right? But you may buy the same size you wore everywhere, or you followed the chart, you took out your measuring tape if you were, if you had the time, and then it still doesn't fit right because the silhouette that that company decided to use is, is different from how, you know, you want your clothes to look. If you want a slimmer fit or if you want a looser fit, and those are things that you can only ascertain by looking at a photo of someone like wearing it, like, oh, I see they're my size, but I want to wear this a little bit tighter or a little bit um, bigger. So I'll just size up, you know, that's, that's the sort of thing that we need, like you said, because it makes us feel more connected to that company. Like they're listening to me. You know, I feel great when I wear their clothes and you get that, that dopamine. And even to your point as well, there was research out of Florida State University, uh, Ridgeway Clayton, Dr. Ridgeway Clayton. And she found that when you showed women images of like the standard model, that they showed signs of neurological distress when they tested them. But when they showed women images of women who are their size, like average size or plus size, that that damage did not occur, that they, you know, had better, I believe their, um, they had stimulus and then they asked people like their recall of that stimulus. And I believe like their recall was better when they weren't, they didn't have that trauma of seeing someone who wasn't their size and making them feel bad about who they were and, and, you know, um, beating themselves up about it. So you're right. You, that feeling that you have when you go to that site and it's not speaking to you and, and, and it's not resonating with you, that is real. And that's scientifically proven that that has an effect on you. Definitely. And so for someone who studied psychology or sociology for so many years, because it was, you had a series of uh, degrees, how do you decide to, uh, to switch to entrepreneurship? It's like, it's such an adventure, right? And it's, it's rewarding. But um, when I see someone who has a long career or education journey and 
uh, is going for what it appears to be a safe career to switch to entrepreneurship. I'm curious, like, what was that shift like? Yes, yes, you are so right. I love um, all of the sayings like entrepreneurship. So I used to say entrepreneurship is everyone is going to the grocery store and you decide to learn how to like spear fish for your food, you know, just it does, you know, it's harder. No one else is doing it. You have to figure out everything and then learn so much. Um, but it's very, you know, rewarding. But I think one of the latest things that I've heard that I love is that entrepreneurship is everyone sitting on a, a plane to their destination and you decide to jump out and start building a plane, <laughs> you know, like while everyone else is sitting in theirs flying. So you're absolutely right with, you know, even with obtaining my degrees in sociology, I mean, I mean, I finished my doctorate in 2011. And so it's been, you know, a long time. I always, I, I even became a sociologist because Martin Luther King Jr. and W.E.B. Du Bois were sociologists, you know, going into social science, science with an, an eye towards Zora Neale Hurston and how she told the stories of, you know, of people in the South and black people in the South and their stories and wanting to be that storyteller researcher, but trying to think, but, but knowing that I could learn skills that might help me change society. So I used to, you know, do research in the university. I've taught in the university. And then I actually moved into corporate America doing research on consumer insights. I started a company in 2010 to help at-risk youth, you know, with research-based after-school programs and tutoring. And that was extremely rewarding. Um, and But that sunsetted because I needed to learn more about about business, you know, again, I was a sociologist, but that gave me the foundation as I started to work in corporate America and understand KPIs, as I started to consult with Fortune 500 companies, as I started to, you know, I was a product manager at one point, um, providing cultural insights from people around the world. And so it wasn't, um, even though I've been an entrepreneur before, this venture of like a scalable SaaS B2B company, you know, very heavyweight. We're a C corporation. You know, we have um, venture capital investment boards. That transition, it actually was a is, was a lifelong process, you know. Um, and the the crux of it goes back to why I started the company in the first place. And again, that was my daughter, and now my daughter and my son. That you know, I I couldn't sleep for months realizing that I may be able to create something that would change the world for them. You know, you always want to protect your family. And when I realized that I had the skill set to create something, you know, that, you know, that transformational for my children, it was like, there was no other choice. I literally didn't sleep for three months getting like everything together for us to do this pitch competition. And it still to this day, it's what you know, gets me, you know, up, you know, and, and keeps me up all night working is, is this, this, how the world will look different once reflect me is implemented because we talk about, we talk about humanity and self-love and society, but there's also this underlying darker conversation of, you know, violence against, you know, 
people that look like me, you know, and, and, and people that look like us and, you know, Asian American Pacific Islander, right. And Latinx and Latino and Latina and black people and, and people of different sexual orientations and different religions. Right. And so a lot of this occurs because, you know, hearkening back to dehumanization and that's not understanding each other and having empathy for each other and being inclusive. And so, you know, that was really the, okay, I'm going to take this dive and, and be uncomfortable and, and work really long hours. Um, because I know that it's, it's worth it, you know, no, no, um, reward. I, I don't know the right quote for it at the time, at this moment, I should have found it, but it's like, you know, it's like that hard earned reward, you know, that it's not going to be easy, but it's, it's so difficult that I know it's going to be worth it in the end, if that makes sense. <laughs> totally. And you're definitely changing the world and, and especially uh, the, your kids world. Right. So I think that by on its own is amazing. And I think that, um, what you're doing is so impactful that little by little it's going to be, you know, immense at some point or as you spread the word, as you increase your, your reach. And I think that you are on the path to achieving what you wanted to. Uh, and I, you should totally be proud of what you are do doing and continue to do. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. So you are, uh, reflect me, it's, it's B2B mm -hmm. and then B2C. So are you facing a challenge of two different end user to different consumers that you need to be mindful of in terms of how they uh, behave from a consuming perspective? Yes, it's this continuous dialogue because my background prior was very consumer insights focused, right? You know, you're doing focus groups to ask people about TV shows or candy, you know, or you're working with, or on the client side, I worked with them more on strategy or, you know, marketing images and things of that nature. So being in my own company where I'm trying to balance those conversations on my own, where previously, you know, I worked with a, a whole team of people to help, you know, a client with one question. Um, it's definitely been, you know, a challenge because, I have to do things in this two-step process. So I understand, I dove deep into consumer insights. We created a demo that resonated with, you know, consumers. And we, we got that in a really good place because, you know, I am a consumer. I actually fit into, you know, the segment that I'm trying to reach. I, I shop online quite often and fluctuating body weight with life and degrees and kids and different things. And so I'm you know, I'm that heavy user online, but I have not worked in retail technology or innovation at a retail company. So what we ended up doing and what I would, you know, suggest to other people who are looking into this path is that we started with that customer feedback first, because those are the people that we could touch. And when we built something that resonated there, we started to ask some of those customers about, you know, their their background in retail or their background. And so even though we started talking to people as customers and having them interact with our software, we then started to get perspective from different people who are customers, but also work in retail. And from there, incorporating their feedback of some of the logistics of retail, some of the things that would 
um, make companies um, pause when, you know, about integrating the tech, like, well, what's the lift and how difficult is it to integrate? We created a customer facing dashboard so that it's not only this outward facing experience for customers. There's also an internal process for our clients so that they can see everything that's happening in the background and they can control the imagery and they have a lot of information themselves to know how the tool is performing and to be able to make lightning speed decisions and updates and also to uh, solve a lot of their internal issues as well. You know, companies have a difficult time with curating all this content. They have a difficult time finding diverse content creators. We don't really say influencers because not all of the people who provide the photos and the videos um, for the e-commerce sites are what you would call an influencer. Like they're not doing this for influence over other people. They're just creating content because they are talented, they have great style, and they love themselves. <laughs> and so we want to use those people too, not just the ones who, you know, are, are um, trying to have influence. So uh, anyway, we, you know, with our software, we do have these kind of two product timelines. It's like how we advance the customer experience and then how we advance our client enterprise experience. And so we are constantly you know, getting customer discovery from, you know, from our clients and from potential clients and talking to them about different features and working on case studies and things of that nature, while also keeping a pulse on customer insights and their um, experience. And then also outside of our technology, like you mentioned earlier, and, you know, you've had some just like really great questions here. It's not just the people who are looking at our software and having that controlled experience. It's also what's being said. You know, I think even Elon Musk sent out a tweet saying, wouldn't it be great if I could actually buy clothes and see it in my size? You know, <laughs> like even Elon Musk is sending out tweets like that, right? So there's there's so much information coming in um, that we are always synthesizing and discussing from our marketing team to our front-end and back-end engineers to our executive leadership so that as we're all building and creating we all keep in mind to be reflective, you know, to really reflect what customers are saying. And then we can take that to our clients and say, this isn't just us, you know, this isn't just what Reflect Me is noodling around in our mad scientist lab. Um, this is the voice of the consumer and this is what they're asking for. So we even found some studies um, where it was like 70% of women said that they would actually purchase more if they could see someone in their size wearing the clothes. And so those data points are, are really pivotal to help our clients understand that this is something that is being asked for and that people will actually spend more because they feel more confident in their purchase and that imagery is what they're they're looking for for that confidence because there's mechanical you know we have competitors that give more mechanical like your size is a size nine <laughs> you know like will robinson sort of like here you go but just seeing like a number nine doesn't help someone if they need to actually see like the silhouette and and they don't know if it works for their body shape, et cetera, right? And so um, we we work with with that sort of 
insight and hands-on feedback that we get from people playing around with the software and purchasing on on storefronts. Totally. A a size four, size six, and one person is not the same as the next person of 10 or eight. You know, it doesn't matter what the number Mm -hmm. is. It doesn't look the same across every person. So it's important to see to see the, the, the item on a person that looks like the one who wants to buy it. Yeah. Uh, definitely. <laughs> Do you, um, in terms of the consumer behavior, it sounds like you, you, your team is doing a lot of research and, and, finding the data points, but do, do your enterprise clients uh, contribute to any of that since they have a lot of maybe information that you can leverage oh, is that something that you do uh, sometimes as a as a collaboration effort? You know that's that's um, a, a really <laughs> you know smart thing that you're talking about. So it's interesting, and I do have a quick caveat. So data wise, just a quick data point. So it's twenty five percent of women are a larger size now in the pandemic. Fifteen percent are a lower one. So you know overall, that's forty percent of women you know have a new size in twenty twenty one. So it's actually a larger number. But back to the data. So what we found actually is that we are in general providing helpful information to our clients. A lot of them are not able to collect the sort of data that we can collect with our tool because they're currently, you know, isn't a way for them to to get feedback on engagement based on different sizes because they're not, you know, creating that for their customers. So they're really excited to see, you know, are we going to find that we can increase size 10s because now people feel more confident to buy a size 10 from our company. Whereas before, because we only showed a size two all the time, only people from about size two to six, you know, were buying our jeans or buying a certain volume or uh, had a certain cart size. So they are really excited to see how this level of information changes that consumer behavior. But we generally find ourselves educating um, our clients about consumer behavior as a whole. So we have talked about doing some reporting because, you know, merchandising and design, it's very helpful for them to have these real people give them feedback on the stretch. You know, most most people shopping don't know that maybe a certain color in an item is actually sized a little bit different. So if it's like a darker color, you may need to size down um, or a lighter color, or if it's a certain cut, not everyone is aware of that level of detail. And so it's helpful for, you know, departments like merchandising and design to get all this feedback from people of different sizes to say, yeah, you know, this this fit and this wash, you know, of um, clothing is is like the perfect fit for me. Um, or I don't like this certain cut for my body shape for this reason. If the waist was a little bit higher or lower or what have you, then it would be perfect. So we can get data at such a like quantitative level on a larger scale, but also on a qualitative level. You know, they're basically getting a focus, a humongous focus group, you know, of um, ranging from 10 to 150 people who are trying on these clothes to create content, but also able to give feedback. So we're, we're very unique. You know, I'm glad that I have a lot of experience in conducting focus groups and doing observations 
questions and, you know, survey data and discussion guides and things like that, because I end up using, you know, quite a bit of it, you know, with these case studies as we gather data for our clients. And so they really, really like it. And, you know, with enterprise as well, a lot of um, entrepreneurs who work, you know, with enterprise clients may chuckle with this, but a lot of clients, they they always believe they're unique and they're the only one, <laughs> you know, like, um, like millennials, like we're all snow, you know, they're all snowflakes. And so they tend to prize the data that is very focused for their consumers and their, you know, brand and their company um, over the, the larger um, kind of insights that are overall. So while those larger insights are really attractive to them, they also get very excited about the possibility of um, seeing all this very focused quantitative and qualitative data on um on um, engagement, cart size, return, you know, decreasing returns um, and sales conversion. Um, as you speak, I'm thinking of all the different revenue models that you can have from, <laughs> from all of this. And, and I want to bring you back to have like a whole session on, <laughs> on revenue models for software, B2B, B2C, and then the data and the cons- probably consulting in there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just amazed at everything that you are doing and, and along with your team. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, as a... It's an early stage startup or a company that is not, you know, doesn't have a large budget. How can um, that the business at that stage keep up with these trends in consumer behavior mm-hmm. and without, you don't, you don't, sorry, uh, I, I'm losing the words. Right? <laughs> um, how can they, how can they keep up with the trends and pivot and address the changing mm-hmm. um, behavior in consumers without, um, kind of neglecting what they are trying to build. Mm, that's a good point. Okay, well let me know if I'm if I'm hitting your question because it's there's a couple layers there. With our size of company, you know, you definitely have to wear multiple hats. And so as we're trying to keep track of all of the changes in consumer behavior and all of that research, I have to keep on more of a, not just a CEO hat, but a like co-product owner hat with my COO. And I can't go, you know, all Steve Jobs and say one button, (laughs) you know, make it one button and do this. And, you know, all of you go like, you know, figure, figure out this vision that I have. I can't do that. I have to be very tempered as a CEO of, you know, a small tech startup that doesn't have, you know, millions in funding or millions in, you know, ARR. So what we have to do is be very focused on, okay, we actually have a lot of, we have our tech timeline of this is going to be fantastic. This is going to be very pivotal. So let's, you know, have this in the works of a plan of when we will implement this change because we are introducing something that's fairly new, obviously there's iterations of this on different websites. You know, you can see size on a couple other um, clothing sites right now, but it's not um, exactly the way Reflect Me, the Reflect Me experience is set up. People are going to be pretty excited about what it is in its current state. When they get quote unquote, used to the Reflect Me experience, right? When they start to go, oh yeah, 
yeah, why would I ever shop without seeing my size? That's when we start incorporating, you know, um, some of the features that we thought about that we've been thinking about now, because what we don't want to do is inundate our shoppers with this is new. And then these are all the different features. And then this is all the different ways you can augment. It's best to start off with what is most impactful and what has been most impactful from customer discovery for us has been imagery. And what we've seen in research has been a lack of imagery, right? When you have that 70% of women are size 14 and up, but they only see themselves in 2% of media images. So we are filling, right, this huge gap and a lack of, of imagery. So to your point, we focused in on kind of like, I'll use the term like triangulation of like everything that we are hearing, everything that we are seeing in insights and everything that we're seeing in terms of content analysis of media images is all pointing towards, we need to make sure that the the iteration of this software meets that need at all different angles. And then after that, we'll pull in the research again, you know, we'll pull in the insights again, and then we'll pull in the experiences from our customers and, and what works. And then from our enterprise clients, we're keeping track of what is helping them with their um, with their bottom line and really their triple bottom line because with decreasing returns, we're also aiding and helping you know um, with environmental uh, bottom lines as well with reducing the those returns and, and mailing, reducing a lot of the textile waste because some people maybe won't return; they'll just throw it in the garbage or do whatever, um, or they will buy something that doesn't fit, think that they'll fit it later and they never do and they'll throw it out. And so there's a lot of waste there. So that's, you know, what, what our, as a small but mighty team, someone said to me a while ago about their company. So I stole it, but as a small and mighty team, we just have to be very, very careful about making product timeline choices that are impactful at every level. And so that's how we, as a small company, pare things down, make sure that it's impactful, but then always keep those ideas in circulation. We we have like this map of our ideas that span on for the next 10 years, um, but, who, but you always have to do a SWOT analysis of it as well. There may be a complete shift. We may find in three years, and this is may or may not happen, you know, this is recorded. So there's some perpetuity to it, but you know, what if in three years, everyone decides I'm never shopping on the internet, you know, on e-commerce, I'm only going to shop through social media. Well, then we will have to make a a pivot to how reflect me interacts with, you know, social media platforms. So it's, you know, we, we always have to be ready. We always have to be ready to pivot but we have to take very impactful, calculated steps because we don't have a lot of resources. And ultimately taking those impactful steps will show to investors and show to our future clients that we're smart about the decisions that we make. And then that will have you know, an exponential impact itself. Yes, I think being aware and being uh, open to changing and adapting is so key. And and it sounds like you guys have this down. So I'm not worried about any anything impacting your growth and just moving forward. And and I think what you're doing, as I said before, is just impressive. And I can't wait to see what you guys uh, get. And I will definitely have you 
come back to talk about revenue models <laughs> and building those B2B relationships and building uh, enterprise, uh, your enterprise client base. I think is there is so much more that you can share with all of us. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we we definitely have that. And, you know, going through these accelerators and incubators, it's been really helpful, you know, because to your point, we see all these revenue models, like you're saying, with the consulting and the reporting and finding all this. And, you know, a lot of the mentors are just like, you have to get good at this. <laughs> right. And then you move on to the next thing. And so I, I'm on the same page where I just see so many ways that we can be impactful and so many revenue streams and our clients, they're starting to let us know, too, as we're giving these SOWs, as we're talking about the budget for the project, they're like, oh, this, you know, I want more of this you know, more of this component. This is where I'm finding value. And so we have to let the market talk back to us as well. There's what we think our value is, but then there's like there. So they may say, oh, I want all this reporting. I want this and that. But when we put the cost package together and they say, oh, that's too expensive. It's not that it's too expensive. It's that it doesn't have the value, you know, for them. Um, and so that's what we have to disentangle as well with those revenue streams is like, we can do a lot of things. What are our clients, you know, willing to, to, what do they find value in and what will they, you know, um, support and, uh, want to include in their, in their, um, contract. Sounds amazing. Tell us how we can get in touch with you, how we, what you want us to follow. Just tell our listeners so that we can keep up with everything that you're doing. Okay, wonderful. Well, we are on www.reflectme with the K.com. <laughs> and we um, you can also follow us on Instagram. We are at reflect underscore me. And we are also um, reflect me as one word on Twitter. Um, and we're also, you know, our Instagram and Facebook accounts are linked. So you can follow us there as well. And we are, you know, really ramping up there. You'll not only find uh, information about what we're doing as a company and um, speaking opportunities and um, panel discussions, but we also like to share information about positive things that are going on, you know, in this space. And we're ramping up those pages a lot more to just amplify um, positivity and amplify inclusion. So that's what you're going to see a lot more of um, in Q1 of 2022 is, you know, using those accounts to um, to amplify inclusion because social media has been, you know, used in ways that has been detrimental. You know, a lot of research is coming out on the negative effects of it. And so like anything, we want to use that tool for positivity to take ownership of it and to, um, you know, make it, make it our own. And so that's what we are focusing on in, in 2022. It all sounds so promising. We will repost this recording and tag Tope and Reflect Me. So make sure to follow them uh, when you rewatch this or just go back to our post. Tope, <laughs> thank you so much for being here today and for sharing so much about you and Reflect Me. And I can't wait to see where you guys go from here. 
thank you so much. I, I always learn a lot from you too. You are just extremely smart and inspiring and um, excited to read your book <laughs> and everything coming out. So um, just thank you. Um, it's been great to, to talk with you today. I hope to see you soon. Okay, me too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to In Great Company with Ramona Cedeno. You can find new episodes of this podcast every first and third Wednesday of the month, or you can join us live on major social media platforms like LinkedIn and YouTube every second and fourth Tuesday of the month. If you want to contact us, you can do so by emailing me at rcedeno at fibric.com or searching for Fibric or Ramona Cedeno on all major social media platforms. Thank you.